Today on our show, we're going to shrink down to the quantum realm in Ant-Man and the Wasp. We're going to find out what happens when you're a workaholic and stay estranged from your father in Like Father. We're also going to talk about what actors would like to see de-aged, but not in a Hollywood body-slamming sort of way, more of a homage to the 80s sort of way. And finally, we're going to play Box Office Higher or Lower, where Jamie tells us what happened when he looked on IMDb. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Film With Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It's the podcast that can shrink between the molecules of journalism and two guys just dicking around with a microphone and come back from the quantum realm. Speaking about things that keep coming back from obscurity, I've got my main man. It's a guy who's been on BBC Radio when they want to talk about science, like let's talk about the blood moon the other week, and 52% of the UK believed that the moon landing was faked. Jamie uh, Hannon, how are you doing, buddy? I was doing all right until that point, mate. I like being here, I like coming back because I really like films. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie really needs to work on his intro. Speaking of intros, yeah. actually, I've been. Um, uh, by the way, thank you for all the people that are sending us messages and all that stuff. We, we really do appreciate it. But someone pointed out I haven't actually given myself an intro in 13 pods. Oh, so, really? Hello, everyone. My name's Adam Flynn. I'm the co host of Talk Filmy to Me. And. Thank you very much for noticing that I don't ever say my name. Anyway. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, I know. I You've never said your name. Well, there we go. You now know who I am. You can hunt me down. Um, so, I'm a bit tired because last night, uh, thank you. Know, I don't want to, this isn't... You know, Too much information, mate. No. <laughs> you know, talk about first world problems. But uh, uh, Disney have started sharing with, uh, quote unquote, I don't know. You call it, I suppose, influencers and all that sort of crap. And they're sending um, they're sending out stuff for people to review. And they sent us a a download for Infinity War, which comes out on the twentieth of August. Thank you very much to Disney Movies Anywhere for sending that through. And um, I was watching that last night. Nice. I was also watching other stuff for the podcast that we'll review later on. And um, I watched some of the extra scenes. And I can't. I don't want to go into spoiler territories, but. Mm-hmm. Some of the extra scenes are fantastic. The only thing yeah. is, is that, you know, you, you um, sometimes a scene, they know they're going to cut from production and the effects aren't necessarily there yet. Mm-hmm. It's really surreal watching this 4K, beautiful, rendered film and then all of a sudden this scene where it's just like a stick man going... For anyone who can't see that, which is everyone, Adam was dancing on the spot there. Right, well, shall we, uh, shall we just crack on with those? News. Trailers that dropped last week. We mentioned, uh, obviously, Comic-Cons the week before that. We're not going to necessarily go into too much detail because, basically, you've already heard that sort of stuff. But the Venom trailer dropped um, at Comic-Con and actually, just after that trailer dropped at Comic-Con, they then released it online. Um, a lot of people were beating this trailer up. I do feel kind of, kind of bad for the film, to be honest, because I was actually one of three people that are excited when this uh, film was announced. I mean, if you look at the, the cast involved, Michelle Williams, Tom Hardy, it's, you know, it's, it's a great cast, and Venom's a great character. Yes, okay, we know it's not a part of the Spider-Verse and everything else, but, you know what, let's just see what happens. And the trailer dropped, they showed a lot more, I'm not too sure about the dialogue. Uh, I love Tom Hardy's voice as Venom, I think it sounds absolutely epic, but have you had a chance to, to see this show? Have you seen pictures of it or anything? No. Oh, fair enough. No, well, sorry, I, I saw the early the early pictures and stuff from the release months ago, but I'm not seeing any of the latest stuff. Uh, I'll be honest, the whole Spider-Man 
franchise. I'm not. I'm not a fan. Yeah, it's not. I'm not a fan. I, it's, I, and it's not because I don't like spiders. Although that is a factor. Yeah, I just. I, I've never found Spider-Man to be uh, an exciting character. If I'm honest. That's cool. Uh, this is although it is originally a Spider-Man character, it's, and this is what I think is going to be their biggest challenge. You you represent exactly what the biggest challenge of the film is. Is that I like to be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> this is not part. They've taken a character from the Spider-Man world and they've removed everything to do with Spider-Man to it. And oh, it could be to- good then. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to uh, they're trying to make it work really and yeah. I think it's going to be a bit too deep cut for, for normal cinema goers to enjoy mm-hmm. I personally I'm quite hyped for it still I'm really looking forward to it I kind of feel that a lot of people want to kick this one but um, but yeah you know, watch it and make up your own is mind is it going to be quite dark is it? yeah they're going down the whole R-rated mm-hmm. uh, anti-hero sort of route obviously you look at films like Deadpool you look mm-hmm. at Logan See, there is a world where if you get the you get the mixture of adult entertainment mm. and that kind of original comic book flair together, you can make some really good stuff. So, hopefully, it's be quite cool. That sounds quite interesting. My my issue with Spider Man was always the fact it was a bit kiddified, you know. That's, is that's that a what, word? I don't know. <laughs> I've just made it up. But I think that's what the the charm of Spider Man is for a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that now. You've you've turned me. There we go. So um, another trailer that was kind of making people laugh was the Aquaman trailer. Now this. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> DC needs uh, needs a win. Okay, obviously with the the Shazam trailer, that looked like big if it was a superhero movie. Kind of cool, you know, really really cool. Um, Aquaman, it's fair to say that he didn't get a particularly good run out in Justice League. I don't think Justice League got a particularly good run out in Justice League. And this is that first step in that course correction. James Wan directing. We've talked about this quite a lot before. This is the first real trailer where they really showed off a bit about the story a bit about all the stuff going on in there as well as stuff like uh, do you remember the bad guy with the massive helmet and the red eyes yeah and um, he actually is in this film and they oh. don't they don't bother trying to adapt it for film it's straight out of the pages of the comic which is kind of cool okay. the only thing that's quite funny is there's an opening scene where it's obviously a young Arthur Curry at the at the zoo or at an aquarium I should say which is a zoo for fish and, um, <laughs> and he's standing by the glass he's getting picked on and all these fish all of a sudden dive against the glass to want to protect him and everything else it looked like it was taken out of finding nemo i'm pretty sure the shark (laughs) smiles in it and a lot of people pointing out in the movie post if you go on google images and just type in shark yeah that's the first image you see so obviously the marketing intern who was getting all the materials for this has just gone oh i need a picture of a shark no, oh, just Google sharp. Yeah, go stick that in the poster. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, well, are you are you hyped about Aquaman after after Justice League? I I actually enjoy Justice League. I watched it again last night, um, and actually watching it again, it it was it, you know, there's a there's a lot of dimensions to that film, isn't there? There's a lot of yeah, stuff yeah. going on, which I think puts a lot of people off because you got to pay attention. <laughs> But you know, I liked Aquaman. I liked the character. Uh, I liked the actor as well. He's been he, he plays the same sort of character in everything he does, but he does it very well. You want to go for a beer with him, and yeah, go, and go yeah. to a Metallica concert. Like, you know, you're going to go for a beer and you're going to finish the night throwing knives at something. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Maybe wrestle a bear. It's going to be one of those nights where you just go, fuck it, let's get a bow and arrow. Yeah, and let's put an apple on your head. Yeah, do it. Just do it. And you go wake up in the morning and go. Did that actually happen last yeah. night? Why have I got a tattoo of Jason Momoa's face <laughs> on my back? <laughs> and why am I happy about it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, 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 th- I think, I mean, the problem is, the name Aquaman is quite a poor name for a superhero, isn't it? Aquaman. It's, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it, what, what are you going to name him? Water, male, 
I don't know. I think you could have done some like you know, some Greek mythology with it or something like Poseidon. Just call him Poseidon. There is already a character called oh, there Poseidon. Is, there is a character called Poseidon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Okay, probably one of went for Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. shit. Poseidon's taken. What do we go for? Uh, Poseidon's mate. Water, water boy. No, we need something a bit more, a bit more clever than that. <laughs> How about Aquaman? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> at least I didn't call him Evian boy, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think it. I mean, like you said, DC do need a win. I think Justice League was unfairly criticised. I think it. I think it's an okay film. Well, there you go, Jamie. You can find a grain of sugar in a salt shaker. Um, so let's okay, let's let's move away from DC. Let's yeah. talk about the Terminator reboot. Um, Linda Hamilton is returning as Sarah Connor. She played Sarah Connor in She's Terminator Two. Very II. good, Sarah Connor. Isn't she? she she is Sarah Connor. Yeah, if you think she about is the Sarah Connor. Uh, what does she look like and how does she portray? Everyone always goes to to that as the default performance. She is coming back to this. We don't know if it's a reboot or a sequel. Uh, we know James Cameron is producing, and we do know that there's some really interesting people behind the camera on this. But uh, the first image was shared from the set of this, and she looks fucking badass, mate. Like yeah. she's got the sunglasses on, she's wielding a pump-action shotgun whilst having a rocket launcher holstered on her back. She doesn't look like she's Mr. Beat in terms of reprising this role. So I'm really excited. I wonder if they're going to bring Arnie back. Yeah, I wonder actually. That's a good point because well, he's he's starting to get back into a little bit of films now. His political career seems to have uh, finished, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because there is that big thing in Hollywood at the moment, isn't it, about um, women of a certain age not being represented in in Hollywood. Yep. Uh, and obviously, she's well, how old is she now? She's got to be in her fifties. She's got to be, hasn't she? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, as soon as you said that, I thought, you know what? I'd love the idea of Helen Mirren doing her own like Jason Statham style film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, wasn't she in Red? Yeah, oh yeah, I suppose, but yeah. that's that's like a one-off. But imagine yeah. like she's got her own Taken franchise. That would, that would imagine brilliant. her picking up the phone and just being like, "I don't know who you are, <laughs> but I will find you, <laughs> and I will kill you." That would, that's actually quite scary. Thanks, I've been that, impersonating that's, Helen Mirren. That's, that's most quite scary, and the fact that you did it so well, and the fact she would say that is quite scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's an important step as well for Hollywood to. to to be have greater representation of all, all demographics, so I, I think that's an important. I moment. think you've managed to go through the political minefield there quite well, sir. I do um, try. But that aside, <laughs> she looks fucking awesome in this, yeah. and I think that if we had, I think it's fair to say that Terminator's kind of lost its way mm-hmm. in terms of the franchise. Rise of the Machines was okay. Yeah. I, look, I love the TV Chris- series was okay. Yeah, the Christian Bale one. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Um, Salvation. That was it, yeah. Good, yeah. good memory. Um, Makes a change for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought that was actually quite a good film, but yeah, yeah I can. It's it, it needs a win, yeah, and it needs a good. I think Genesis wasn't particularly good. Um, mm, I think yeah, it was kind of like, a, why are you you rebooting again? And uh, this might be that question asked again: Why are you rebooting? Mm. But look, we've got the original people from Judgment Day involved, so let's let's just uh, wait with bated breath. Speaking of wishing for with bated breath, Ben Affleck. Speaking of Batman as well, he and Matt Damon, they're reuniting. They're working. Reunited and it feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I kind of wished when Ben Affleck was cast as Batman, and there was a campaign for this, to get Matt Damon as Robin. Oh, that would have been brilliant. that would have been absolutely epic, but but alas, it never happened. I've got to admit, I have to hold my hands up. I was one of those people that doubted that. Batfleck Batfleck would work and I was wrong 120,000% yeah you were wrong until Justice League he is quite especially when like he basically got out of shape 
yeah. and they still had the film scenes of him as Batman. Yeah. So like, oh, just put a, an Under Armour top on yeah. and sit on your sofa, yeah. pretend you've got a broken shoulder, and he's there with a big old gut hanging out. <laughs> just going, oh, oh, my back. Diana, help me. It's okay. I like that because he's like the Batman for the, for the average Joe. <laughs> he, he does go Anyone can be Batman now. Yeah. <laughs> just sit there gut on the sofa with a can of beer. I'm Batman. <laughs> But anyway, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are working together on a true story um, in terms of an adaptation. It's a crime story about a scam to do with McDonald's Monopoly game. So basically, a crooked cop somehow managed to use the McDonald's Monopoly game to con millions of dollars. And uh, this is the story of that. And um, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are going to be working together on it. So probably the last time they did a true story, I think this is based on a true story together, was Goodwill Hunting, I'm guessing. No, that was a screenplay. Though. It was a, oh. it was a true story in terms of they sat together and wrote it together, like they were the I, screenwriters. I, for was it not based on someone though? I don't know I to be honest. Be, I might be wrong there. Uh, because yeah. that's kind of how their career started together, wasn't it? It start, that's how their career so started quite, together. I, they hope done, I hope this isn't the end of it. <laughs> 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 and uh, I'm sure the Mac, the link between McDonald's and Ben Affleck getting big at the end of Justice League aren't related. Ah, there we go. <laughs> But again, dodging that minefield. So um, from one minefield to another, Star Wars Episode Nine. Um, it started production last week. JJ mm-hmm. um, Abrahams uh, even started a Twitter account, which, if I'm being honest, JJ, that's probably the worst thing you can do right now, given the toxicity <laughs> yeah. of uh, some of the Star Wars fandom. I think, if anything, you and your team need to be left in isolation and mm, uh, just yeah. get it right. Don't yeah. listen to anyone because you'll get people going, don't damage our childhood characters but don't make a story that I've seen before. Yeah. We want representation in film. There is too much different in this film. I don't like it. <laughs> Bring back all the original cast. Don't rely on old stories. You know, you, you cannot... You I think win. it's a poison chalice, yeah. okay? I think, and I think bringing Lando into it is a, a good move. Lando is, a, like, you said, like you, said, you said in the previous pod, yeah. he is a classical suave gentleman isn't he, he is a suave mother flipper but um, <laughs> it's getting to a point where there's going to be hardly anyone left like physically yeah. available to be in these yeah. films so fortunately you can always have Chewy, C-3PO and R2-D2 uh, because obviously you, yeah you yeah. can recast or you can CG and everything else um, they, had, they did actually announce officially the cast list of episode 9 guess who's been added who Richard E. Grant really how the hell has he landed that wow like, oh, I think I did read about that actually. Yeah, like, I thought he would be good. He'll be good as a. He's yeah. got to be in the first order. Yeah. Like he's he's he. Yeah, can't yeah. See he's got that other. classical sort yeah. of evil look. Like, but it's unusual, isn't it, to cast big names in a Star Wars film? Uh, like you know, like well-established, ten, uh, twenty-year career behind. Benicio them. del Toro was oh, was okay. in yeah, Last Jedi. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean there is there is every now and again yeah. they do splutter in. There tends to be more cameos though, right? So yeah, like, that's it. In the Force Awakens, there were something like twenty different cameos from famous people, like from Simon Pegg to even oh, Daniel yeah. Craig was a stormtrooper. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, so, but, but you don't often see them, do you? Or they're, like you said, they're cameos. Like uh, the main characters, for example, are always sort of almost new, relatively talent, unknown. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, so yeah, they re-announced the the casting and that, and they've made they've called out Mark Hamill as a cast member, which they've never done with Force Ghosts oh. before in terms of top of poster billing. Okay. So there's a good question here to ask about. Okay, is Luke dead? Oh. So is JJ doing the ultimate? You know what? You know what, Ryan? 
You took my whole lightsaber passing of the torch thing and went fuck you and threw it over a cliff. I'm taking your whole death scene and reconning that. <laughs> I'd love it if Good. that happens. But also, there's been some artwork shared on the on the interwebs, and what I find quite interesting is a lot of this artwork. I don't know if it's official. It's not from official accounts. It's from quote unquote media outlets, and you know, the Last Jedi was red. That was the theme they'd gone with. All the artwork I have seen so far is blue. Oh, good. So, obviously, it's I don't know if that's, yeah. is that connotations of uh, the light side of the yeah. Force, the Jedi yeah. returning? I don't know. We still haven't got a title yet, which um, I kind of would expect around now for us to hear the title. The Jedi's Return Again. I don't, it's, it's got to <laughs> have... Return of the Jedi's... Is it? It's got to have a the and an of in yeah. there, right? You've got the Return of the Jedi, the Revenge of the Sith. You know, I, I think they're going to find that. They've also said officially... In case we didn't, we weren't aware of this. This is the end of the Skywalker saga. So this is the final chapter of the the Skywalker saga. So okay. I suppose you've got to have a Skywalker in the film, yeah. and that's why Mark Hamill is still. Oh, I've thought of a great title. Go on in. The Savior of the Force. That's actually a really good title. Actually, good title. I, was, I was trying to find a way to yeah. pull that apart and make a joke out of it. The but Savior of the Force. Like that. There you go. There you go. JJ, if you're listening, uh, there you sort go. it for you, mate. We got it. No so <laughs> let's let's stay in Disneyland. Um, last week we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy in terms mm. of James Gunn being fired. Yes. The cast of the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. Volume Three have done an open letter to Disney, and they've managed to completely stand with James Gunn mm. and demand that he gets reinstated without standing exactly next to James Gunn, without yeah. demanding. It's very, I thought it was a very mm. balanced, pardon yeah. the term for, for Marvel, a very balanced letter um, yeah. trying to show some solidarity without being fired. Yeah. You had a chance to read it? Have you seen there? Uh, yeah, I have read it. And it's and it's, uh, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because like, and I don't think anyone is sitting around a table or sitting anywhere agreeing with the stuff he wrote. Yeah. You know, the stuff he wrote, you know, was, you know he was trying, you know, trying to be edgy he's trying to be edgy he's trying to break boundaries and people do that and people get it wrong yeah people make mistakes we are human at the end of the day we are going to make mistakes yeah and do we let mistakes that you know arguably haven't hurt anyone you know they've upset people but a lot of people are easily offended these days um you know i've read them and thought well yeah that's just crap jokes yeah it's crap jokes it's stupid it's you know i wasn't offended by it because Okay, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't offended by it because I, I can see that as someone trying to push boundaries. Um, and people make mistakes. He's come out and he's apologised. Will he do that again? No. Uh, you know, he's learnt his lesson. I kind of want him to now. <laughs> Just to prove a point. Just to be uh, like, fuck it, who cares? Yeah. Right? But- I mean, the fact is, the people that work closest with him want to work with him. Yeah. That would indicate to me that he's not a bad guy. He is yeah. a guy who has made a mistake, and there's a big jump from big organisations these days to protect themselves to straight away, you know, push the red button and get rid of them as soon as possible for to prevent collateral, collateral yeah, damage. Yeah, um, it's a shame that it's come to this. Uh, apparently. A lot of media outlets are reporting that Disney have had internal meetings regarding this matter and have said there's no way they're going to reinstate James Gunn. Yes, they probably have been a bit too uh, over the top with this, but Disney are not going to ever admit they're wrong in the media. And they they can't now because every time something, you know, they want to get rid of a director for another reason and then the cast go, no, 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 we want them back. They they would have set a precedent if if they take him back now. So they have tied their own hands and I get that. But um, yeah, I think they jumped the gun. 
Hey. Hey. Um, but yeah, it kind of sucks. But you know what? I hope this opens up more doors for him. I hope mm. it sets up more opportunities where he doesn't have necessarily Disney holding him back. Yeah. And uh, and it leaves a, an open chair, right? So, so um, Edgar Wright, heed the call, man. I'd fucking love you to direct a, a Guardians film. Yeah. It's a crying shame that we didn't get your full Ant-Man film. And I hear you, it looks like you're on relatively good terms. Listen to the bat signal. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about a bit of Netflix. So Andy Circus, we talked about, last, I think it was last week or the week before, his Mowgli film has moved to Netflix and it's taken a bit of a kick in because not only has it gone to Netflix, they've pushed it back to 2019 and uh, for whatever reason. But, you know, to, to savour and sweeten the deal, they also bought another film that he's doing. What is this about him and adaptations? He's doing an adaptation of Animal Farm. The book, oh, not anything yeah. else. Get yeah. your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> he's uh, he's doing an adaptation of that as well of his production house, and Netflix has also purchased that as part of the Mowgli deal. Oh, okay, yeah, Mowgli. I'm guessing that's about Jungle Book, is it? Yes. Okay. So it's like an origin story of Mowgli. So the Jungle Book itself. <laughs> What's the origin story? He got left in the jungle. <laughs> so, but the Jungle Book itself is not the story. The story is Mowgli, and it was adapted for the Jungle Book. Right. Yeah. And that's why we think of the original story as being the Jungle Book. Actually, the story is called Mowgli, and this oh, okay. is and. The circus doing adaptation of that story rather than the Jungle Book. There right. is obviously similarities. There yeah, are yeah, yeah. there are similar characters in this. Um, I have a prediction that there's going to be a twist, and my twist prediction is that Mowgli is going to be female, um, because the, okay. the in the trailer it looks very very feminine features, mm-hmm. and they deliberately do not call him boy or refer to him as the male gender in any oh, of their okay. structured English. So I think that's going to be uh, I think it's going to be the twist. That could also be a language thing because I know in a lot of uh, Asian countries they don't have male female pronouns. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's just a, it's just a, mm. a wild wild guess. Uh, yeah, it'll be an thing, interesting twist. It'll be an interesting twist, and it keeps it. It'll help separate that from the John Favreau movie yeah, yeah, that everyone's yeah. got never to be comparing this to. But the Animal Farm one sounds quite interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I know what the story. I've never actually read it. I've actually got the book to read this summer. Uh, I've never actually read it, but I do know. Obviously, everyone knows what the story is, and obviously, uh, and and the links to communism and so on. So that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. And uh, are, are they going to go down the kid route, or are they going to down go down more of the adult route, or mm. is it just going to be a you know a, a story about animals taking over a it farm? It can be or? very very dark, can't it? Yeah, very dark. Yeah, and this <laughs> could be something you know, given the political landscape we're in at the moment, mm. we can really really utilise some of that sort of stuff to, to make a really inspiring story. Well, yeah. I don't have inspiring is the right word. But speaking of a story which I'm not too happy about, but we kind of knew this was coming. We kind of talked about this months upon months ago. Um, Andrew Lincoln, or you know him as Rick from <laughs> The Walking Dead, yeah. um, he has officially actually confirmed he is leaving The Walking Dead. He done it at Comic-Con. Wow. Uh, he had got a standing ovation in Hall H which yeah. is you know kind of like royalty in pop culture yeah. um, and he, he gave a really emotional speech and so did um, Robert Kirkman the creator of Walking Dead you know giving him that that send off he deserves yeah. so basically over the season Rick will uh, the narrative will find a way for Rick to no longer be part of the, part of the group whether that's through death or, or, or his own means goes away and I hope back. it's a he goes away sort of thing rather mm-hmm. than they kill him. I hope they keep the door open. Yeah, it would be good, wouldn't it? Because I can understand why he's doing it. I'm guessing he feels like he's being pigeonholed now as a type of well, actor. But he's been in lots of other things since done the Walking. But The Walking Dead does take up a lot of time, doesn't it? Yeah. So his logic project. behind this was he started this eight years ago. Mm-hmm. His family, he's English, like yeah, he comes up and all of a sudden he 
he switched from being cool hand Rick to being sounding like a, a uncomfortable Englishman. Yeah. And he was on stage just saying, I'll always be known as that that zombie killer from England and that's amazing. But for the last eight years I've had to live in Atlanta and my whole family live in, in London and oh, right. I want to just go go try and have a life for a little bit. Yeah. So I'm hoping they write it in a way where he could potentially come back. Yeah. Um, you know, some people say, no, you got to kill him. Some people say this is the beginning of the end. Norman Reedus is getting a massive payday to be the lead cast in this. Mm. Rumours is it's a £20 million pound, or sorry, mm. dollar payday he's getting to, to basically take over the lead. But is he a lead character? I think has Norman Reedus been given the opportunity to be a lead character? Very good point. But I will say that he's the only character that the broadcasting company actually own isn't he yes the rest of them are obviously based on comic book characters yeah. I think there might be a few more now obviously but he is one that was made up from the very start yeah. so I think anyone who knows anything about The Walking Dead knew that Daryl was never going to die yeah. because that's you know franchise you know when they, they do like merchandise and all that yeah. sort of stuff is it Hulu Hulu uh, uh, AMC AMC no. sorry AMC get all the profit from sales related to him to, yeah. to Daryl not the other characters they, they get percentage so they were never going to kill him off so everyone's always known that I think yeah um, true true I mean he has become a bit of a fan favourite as well he's right? A, he's a great character so yeah um, I just hope he opens up his range a little bit more because I, I can pretty much summarise all his dialogue of the last season of meh 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 I don't think that's a good idea it's <laughs> <laughs> basically a drunk t- uh, toddler yeah. but um, anyway so that's your news for this week I just have one question when Cap needed help if I'd asked you would you have come I guess we'll never know but if you had you'd have never been caught so we've just started to let the dust settle from Infinity War, pardon the pun, and this is our first film back into that world of the MCU. Now, you remember after Avengers Age of Ultron, the first film to take us back, that palate cleanser was Ant-Man, which was directed and written by Edgar Wright, as well as Peyton Reed to come and land the ship. It was a great sort of grounded film that everyone loved. It was a palate cleanser from the big universe ending stuff to, to more of a concise, smaller story. And this is the sequel to that. This is going to be Peyton Reed's complete original story. He wrote and directed this one from the start. And it came out this weekend in the UK. And me and Jamie went to go see that on opening night. I just want to point out, every MCU movie since Iron Man, I have seen on opening night. I've kept the record going. The streak's still going, people. And uh, yeah, this is this is that return after Infinity War. So the, st- the concept of this is that after the events of Civil War... Um, Scott has made a deal with the CIA to basically live under house arrest for two years and uh, anything to do with his criminal activities and vigilanteism according to the Sokovia records um, he has to cease and Mm. during this time um, Janet Van Dyne played by Evelyn Lilly as well as Michael Douglas's character Scott no it's not Scott Hank Pym sorry um, they're on the run from the government because they've been on the run the entire time Mm. and um, yeah this is where the film really picks off they're trying to get back to the quantum realm because at the end of Ant-Man remember he goes to the quantum realm and and somehow comes back because they believe they can go back and and rescue um, Janet's mum who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer who by the way the digital de-aging in this is incredible oh yeah like the first scene where it shows um, a young Michael Douglas hanging out with a young Young Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer Pfeiffer. it's incredible 
it's Absolutely. it's like it's plucked out of the 80s yeah. and it just looks so so good yeah I mean it'd be interesting though how they actually do that I'm guessing there's, there's got to be an element of makeup I'm guessing to, as a base layer yeah and then you know the algorithms that they must have to design to to, to you know because your face is not a static body it's always moving it's always changing it's you know little micro expressions to, to capture all that and make it look that good yeah it was incredible I mean this is a company which uh, Lucasfilm actually acquired I mean Lucasfilm lead the way when it comes mm. to digital effects you know, anyone who doesn't believe that if you love any Pixar film, you need to thank LucasArts. If you love um, Jurassic Park, you need to thank, again, George Lucas because he's it was his company that done the effects for that, which led to some amazing films. Yes, okay, The Clone Wars went a bit too far, but the effects is all originated from this sort of stuff. And I think it works best when you've got a body of work you can go back on. And it's not just... Uh, there's other magic going on in the background here. Lawrence Fishbourne. Um, is he's making his MCU debut and he plays an amazing character called Dr. Bill Foster. Uh, in the comics, you may know him as Goliath and they do kind of play homage to it, but no, he doesn't put on a suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a scene where he's gone back 20 years and it looks like you've just put a wig on Morpheus. You know, yeah. it, all of a sudden he has, he has rolled back the clock. It's incredible. And you can only do this if you've got a body of work you can go back on now in Civil War they they done a little bit there was a mm. scene where Tony Stark shows a memory of when he was younger yeah. and it, it is young Robert Downey Jr it doesn't look like they've recast or anything it's incredible uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 um, right at the start with his dad like it, it yes. looks like it's been plucked out of Big Trouble in Little China like he, yeah. it is it is it's Kurt Russell and that's absolutely amazing. Anyway, I think we've we've managed to suck off the the effects enough now. Let's talk about the story. Yeah. So we will talk about this uh, during the film. So now this plays off a lot of the gags from the first film, mm-hmm. like lots of things. Like if you remember the whole oh, isn't it funny that Thomas the Tank Engine becomes massive? Yeah. They do that with a Pez dispenser yeah, instead. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a they're they're rehashing a lot of the same jokes. Yeah, but I mean, how many? Uh, uh, we, we talked about this immediately after the after watching it, didn't we? And I've had some time to think, and it's actually, I mean, yeah, they would. But I mean, how many jokes can you make about things getting bigger and smaller? You know, you're limited, aren't you? Yeah. So uh, you know, and to be honest, if you know, and the scene you're talking about is a chase scene, isn't it? And he's yeah. the pez to help. Yeah, and that. it's in the trailer, so it's we're not trailer, spoiling yeah. anything. Um, so you know, I think about if I can make things bigger or smaller and I was being chased in a car chase, I would pick up anything and make it bigger and throw it out. You know, yeah, so- I, I get it, but I suppose it was just that they relied on those sort yeah. of laughs a bit too much. There's a really funny scene where basically Paul Rudd's um, Ant-Man suit is broken and effectively yeah. he, he can't control how he shrinks or grows. Yeah. And they go to a school. We won't go into the story plot reason as to why, but um, there's a funny scene where he can't get bigger than about three foot yeah. tall. And, I did like that. I mean, how fucking charming is Paul Rudd, man? Like, yeah. everything he does, he makes this work. Yeah. Any other actor, this yeah. would be, the script would be terrible, <laughs> but he pulls it off. Yeah, and there's a bit where he's just running away, and it's just so funny. <laughs> I, I, I don't do it justice, but... It is hilarious. There, there are some really good funny yeah. bits in this. Michael Pena is Michael Pena. He yeah. is absolutely hilarious. They did over-egg one joke, which I was like, oh, no, like leave it in Ant-Man 1. So in Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man film, there's a scene where Michael Pena is describing... Or sorry, I say his character, Lewis, is describing... Um, 
an event that has happened and he's done it his own way right He it, they recreate each yeah. scene and everyone's doing a narration over it and it's kind of funny they're giving the sassy hands and, mm-hmm. the, and the attitude and there's about a four minute scene where he does a very similar thing yes. and yes it was funny but it's it's funny because I remembered it being funny in the first yeah. film rather than this is original sort of thing so that was a bit disappointing there are some real interesting elements in this they go to the quantum realm the effects are absolutely astounding mm-hmm. I can imagine this will look great in 3D um, and yeah it's, it's enjoyable um, but it's not like if you had to make your top 10 Marvel films oh, this, yeah. this probably wouldn't be in it no but it is an enjoyable film to go I mean what, what was it a 12 was it 12 yeah yeah, you can, yeah it's definitely bring your kids yeah material. it's an enjoyable film go watch with the family go on a date whatever it might be um, it, it, you know you won't sit there and think I've been cheated of 10 quid or whatever it costs to go see the cinema you know you won't sit there I owe you money for that, by the way. Um, yeah, you won't be sitting there dreading the fact that you're going to the cinema. Oh, you're dreading the fact that you wasted an evening. You will enjoy the film. Yes. It's- I, I think that's the key thing there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some of the jokes are a little bit used. and uh, you know, But there are bits where you do laugh out loud. And I always think, you know, a film that makes you laugh out loud and actually, you know, you are smiling through quite a lot of it because you are enjoying it is a good sign isn't it it's never going to be a classic it's never going to win massive amounts of awards but it's an enjoyable film Marvel have got this this ability to go right what's the story what's the scope of the audience and let's do the budget accordingly now this will be a success this film will I 100% agree this will be a massive success this is a small story Mm. it's supposed to be a palate cleanser after what happens in Infinity War if you're looking for a Infinity War 1.5 to be that bridge between 1 and 2 you're not going to get it there is a post credit scene which might as well be called hey pass me that thing that's going to be useful in the Avengers sequel that no one knows the title of yet they might as well have called the scene yeah, that yeah. but that is it that is the only connection you're getting between that and the, the MCU which is which is fine you know this is a great outing and um, yeah a big shout out to Ever, uh, Everland Lily she's absolutely fantastic to the Wasp in this mm. this film might as well be called the wasp and ant-man not yeah, ant-man and the wasp yeah, i agree um and that's, Paul Rudd actually didn't have as much dialogue i think as he did in the first film that's yeah i think yeah. that's correct there's a test and um someone blew my mind with this actually and i was you know i was down the bar i was at a bar with a, a few colleagues and they were talking about the incredibles too in a good way and they said there's a test about um, it's not just you can cast women in films right mm. that's 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 been done (laughs) and uh, a lot of writers tend to go down this route of oh she needs to be a strong woman so they make it a physical manifestation that 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 becomes a physical manifestation of oh god i can't get my words thank you sir becomes a (laughs) 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 that that happens Um, that thing that thing happens where they basically become stronger than the men and the men feel oh my god oh i'm so surprised by this um but there's a test which is the, the percentage of lines and dialogue female characters have in films where they're not talking about men like yeah. Th- yeah, sort of thing and and uh, Incredibles 2 passes that test one of the only films to do mm. so I'll ch- I think this film possibly goes into that as well yeah. I mean if you think about her as a character she's smart like super smart she's you know she's athletic she's you know knows martial arts she's independent like she is an incredible character in herself isn't she yeah oh yeah it's just it's good writing mm. they've evolved the character and I think you know, and Paul Rudd is the comical sidekick almost <laughs> yeah definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. but yeah effects effects look great um, it's it's. I can't really give it much more praise now I yeah. really enjoyed it I think the comedy in it is is enough 
um, it passes just about. Mm. Um, I did say straight afterwards, and you know I'm going to say this because I'm a massive fan of, of Edgar Wright, I did say to Jamie, I was like, I feel like this is what the film we would have got without Edgar Wright's involvement in Ant-Man 1, and that's a crying shame. And yeah, uh, this, I think if you had to say you know, which film is better, I'm still going to go with Ant-Man. Nothing to do with... Um, with the director but it's just about it felt like there was a lot more original comedy in yeah. the first one uh, but this is still really really good you know don't don't let that it's not going to make my top 10 make it sound like it's a shit film yeah. we are talking about a collection of films which are pretty much out of the 22 Marvel films probably about 18 of them yeah. are near enough five star films so yeah, exactly. um, I'm going to go in my own personal opinion I'm probably going to hit the four out of five mark mm-hmm. and because there's a bit of a it felt like they were reusing some jokes from last time but other than that it's a great film what did no, you say yeah I agree uh, I was doing an hour in between three and a half and four but actually I came away really enjoying it so copy a four yeah there you go there you have it Ant-Man and the Wasp four out of five We ain't had a feature for a long time and after watching Ant-Man and the Wasp and as we mentioned at the start of our review of that the effects in digital de-aging in particular are fucking astonishing at the moment and that led me for for a feature idea of if you could take actors from any period of time in their career and digitally retouch up their age uh, for a a new performance what would you do like Um, bring them back from the dead you can bring them back from the dead as well and I don't know if that's been done as well as the digital de-aging I think Mm. about you know Rogue One although screenshots it looked awesome when you actually stand that next to a normal person it kind of looks a bit alien but I mean the first one that always jumps into my head when I think about this stuff is I think about um, oh god I literally said his name a moment ago Uh, Big Trouble in Little China uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 Kurt Russell oh right Kurt Russell, he looks absolutely incredible at that start of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And uh, I've mentioned this many a times, Metal Gear Solid, the video game adap- the video game adaptation that Jordan, I can't remember his name, uh, Van Roberts, I think, is working on at the moment. How cool would it be if you made a de-aged Kurt Russell in this role? Bear in mind, the original character is actually based on Snake Pliston, you know, Escape yeah. from New York, which... In fact, you could do a fucking Escape from New York sequel like yeah, that. Yeah, or Escape from LA. Both of those were bloody good films. And yeah. They, could re- you know, they would stand the test of time being redone today. Yeah, or do that sequel where you've just managed to de-age yeah. Kurt Russell for that. That would be yeah, amazing. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I can't argue with that. That's a good one. That's, That's a pretty really good cool. One. I also think that um, that we could de-age Bruce Willis and we could do, <laughs> we could do like a... a a prequel to Die Hard, oh, maybe or something. Just I mean, as like, a beat cop or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. What's, what's your name? McLean. Yeah, yeah. John. We could call it Becoming John. <laughs> <laughs> How to McLean with yeah. John? That'd be freaking awesome as well. Well, you said about bringing people back from the dead, um, yeah. and I think something. And it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you've got to balance that whole, you know, not disrespecting the, the family and the person, mm. but. You know, going back to the Star Wars franchise, we've not seen anything from uh, obviously Obi Wan Kenobi for, for quite you know, Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah. Um, and it you know, and it would almost be a nice homage just to have like the Force guy, even if he doesn't say anything. <laughs> you know, just you know, there you know, or, or get him involved in saying stuff. But you know, bearing in mind they're supposed to be Force ghosts, 
Like, yeah. all of them should be able to turn up at some point. And so far, we've had Yoda come back because he's a puppet. <laughs> uh, and we've got Luke, Mark Hamill, because he's still alive. But like, the others are just like, no, nah, just, yeah. Just you know what I'd, I'd like the idea of? Because there's always this talk of uh, Obi-Wan origin movie. Mm. And obviously, Ian McGregor, he's personified the role. He is Obi-Wan yeah. for a generation of people, which yeah. you can't ignore that. I would love them to somehow bridge that gap. So mm. it the film starts... As Ian, as Ian McGregor and it follows a long period of time like 10 years or something on Tatooine where he's overseeing or you know, being yeah. that guardian angel to Luke yeah. and at some point over the film they slowly transition to a younger Alec Guinness Ooh, that would be good wouldn't it that would be good yeah. that would be kind of cool I yeah. think. and I think a lot of people that you can do that in a really tasteful way it would look awesome and I think yeah, people would just be generally happy I also mm. think that speaking of taking classic actors and putting them back in their prime I'd love to see a Terminator movie with a actual proper de-aged Arnie like mm. and it looks good like every time it, it doesn't look good at the moment like in Genesis yeah. it kind of looks no. rubbish Yeah. and uh, if they actually went and done that properly I think you could mm. make some pretty good stories from that you know because yeah. the whole concept is the Terminator doesn't age well, yeah <laughs> it's a robot <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah exactly Yeah. no that would be good yeah yeah. I would like to see a bit more I mean yeah like I say it's really hard to do that sort of homage to people that have have yeah. died and you don't want to be too disrespectful and you want to make sure it looks good I think it works best when you've got a real body of work to look back on so if you think about someone like uh, Ian McKellen right? he's been around yeah. for a very long time we've got lots of great stock footage you could do that Magneto origin film and yeah. that would look quite cool I think mm-hmm. and that's how you can tie in uh, back better with the, the Brian Singer verse um, but is, is the technology I mean the technology is good at the moment is it there yet? I think it's there for digitally de-aging. I don't think it's there for... If you've got that footage to fall yeah. back on, if you've got a body of work mm. you can use. So like Tom Hanks' career, yeah. we've got 30, 40 odd years of yeah. stuff. So we could do yeah, we could do an interesting uh, young portrayal yeah. of that sort of thing. Um, I'd love to see a David Bowie thing oh. be done with it. I think that's <laughs> awesome. Like do that sequel to Labyrinth. The problem is with Labyrinth, is they haven't got so many shots of his face there's quite a lot of his crotch yeah we can get that 80s crotch <laughs> we can, looking that, that's going to be de-aged perfectly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, like, a lot of people will be sitting there thinking what are they going on about watch the film again and drink every time there is a crotch shot of David Bowie because the camera <laughs> starts at the crotch and pans up every single time <laughs> and, and not a, pe- a lot of people believe this but check it out you'll be drunk by the end of the film <laughs> you'll be drunk 10 minutes in there you go crotch watch crotch watch with Jamie um, and also yeah it's, it's kind of also you want to do it in a way which pays homage as we said before and there's obviously a lot of actors have got fandom has there been any actors that you thought oh man I've, I'm generally upset they're no longer with us oh yeah I mean I, I mean I, I think as a uh, you know, with with TV shows or with films, the the greatest ones are the ones that emotionally connect with you, aren't they? The yeah. ones that draw you in, and and when that person passes, you understand why people were mourning them in the streets or go to shrines and so on, um, because you do feel like you lose a part of yourself. It's like when when you've been watching a TV series for a long period of time, and it ends. That's it. It's done. Yeah. You you do feel a bit of a oh, that was my. Monday night for the last God knows how many years was you know during this time I'd be watching that yeah, yeah. yeah. it's sad because obviously you could be doing better things with your life but <laughs> so you're saying that you would digitally bring back Father Ted 
Oh, mate. <laughs> Every day of the week. That, that, that cuts deep, that one. Yeah, that one. He, he was taking far too far too young, mate. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, I, Doc, I don't, Brown, Doc Brown? Is he still... Is he? Think, he's not dead. He's dead, isn't he? No, he's not. Is he not? He's not. No, Christopher Lloyd is still with us. Is he? He is. I'm going to check this one out while we're talking. Yeah, yeah, please Lloyd, do. Is he please still do. Yeah, but actually, it's, it's great you brought that in. You know, good segue there, un- unknowingly. Um, it's what I do. But Back to the Future, they kind of started de-aging by making him look older, but they've done it because, obviously, his character in the first film travels back in time or you you meet a younger version of Doc Brown so they purposely made Christopher Lloyd look older in that film there and also they paid homage to that in, in the second one well, he's, he's, he's still alive he's still alive yeah, yeah he's, you know, he's 79 years old uh, I feel terrible now I, I maybe though he's had one two three four five wives <laughs> what a virile man yeah <laughs> Five wives. I still think he can cut it. I would love to see. Uh, don't even bother de-aging him. But a Back to the Future movie with Doc Brown back in it. Because he does do like little uh, cameos every now and then, doesn't he? I mean, he was in Modern Family recently. Um, yeah, I think he produces it. He He's proper into his comedy. Like He is a massive executive producer in Hollywood for TV. He, he is a... Uh, oh, hold on. Is he... Uh... Oh no. no, sorry, I was looking at IMDb. And Jamie's I, just discovered how to use the internet, people. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the best time to discover this whilst recording. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought he might have been an Aquaman, but he's not, it's just an advert on his page. <laughs> I do apologise. Uh, but yeah, so he's um, he still does appear in stuff. I mean, I'm just flicking through his bloody filmography and it's huge. Yeah, he does Absolutely a lot huge. of uh, one-off, like say, smaller appearances. Mm. But I mean, yeah, he's amazing. I would love to see a Back to the Future oh, can we revisit Back to the Future can we Does go it need back it, to it I feel like it's one of those films that eventually will be redone I feel like it, you know, all films get redone eventually don't they yep. that is such a classic trilogy and it has stood the test of time I think yep does it need touching I I I, I think accompanying rather than retouching so think about like Jurassic World yeah that doesn't reboot anything that's just a continuation of the story I would love to see like they do something really clever. I don't know. This is me thinking out loud. You know, because this and that's going to work brilliantly, isn't it? <laughs> do you remember the second Back to the yeah. Future film where they drop the car off yeah. at the front of Marty's house and Biff comes and steals it. Yeah. And then he goes and does whatever in that. I think there's a story in there. Okay. Maybe not with Biff as the main character. It mm. might be that while Biff has the car, someone what a nicks name. it. Biff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think wouldn't it be great if they've managed to they make a trilogy of films mm. that results in that ten minute scene yeah. of a car being left alone for ten yeah. minutes. But the thing is as well, I mean that there aren't many opportunities in that film where where things are left untied. Yeah. Because you know, they, they the writing's just superb and everything has a consequence over those three films. Yeah. And it all ties in so beautifully. It would be nice if someone could go back and find that thread, maybe like the car being left unattended for a bit, you know, find that thread and from that unravel it slightly and be able to build something yeah. off of that. Yeah, that's Or, the, you know, in, in the third Back to the Future movie, the car mm. is left in a cave for 100 years. Yeah. So what happens if someone discovers that car, realises after playing around with it, they've completely ballsed up the universe, they've got to put it right and get the car back in the cave yeah. before Marty rediscovers it in 1985. And the only problem we've got as well is obviously... Martin J. Fox. Yep. Um, is it Parkinson's? He's got yes. Now? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he still does act. And he was uh, recently in. Um, 
Oh, that present film on Netflix. Oh, uh, uh, Designated Survivor. Designated Survivor, which is superb. Yeah. Um, and he was great in it. Um, but I don't know how far the technology could go to. But unless, unless you know, they do a film based on now, where where he does have Parkinson's, you know, maybe they relate I, that I, into I, it somehow. I don't know. Um, I, he's an incredible actor. Still, yeah. there was actually a script for Back to the Future Four. Sarah Michelle Gellar was going to be the new I'm in. Marty from that perspective and but Christopher Lloyd was going to reprise yeah. his role as the doctor. You said Sarah Michelle Gellar mate, you don't need to say anything else. Well yeah unfortunately <laughs> it never it never came to be. Oh, I think to be honest, I think it's probably a good thing that film never made never got made. Yeah. But um, but anyway, let's go back to, to digitally de aging oh, yeah. people and uh, and bring them back back to that. Like Christopher Lloyd is a definitely good yeah. shout. And uh, what do you think? If you think there's a particular actor you'd love to see brought back to the big screen in a certain age range of their of their career, then let us know. Or what about those sequels that never got made, or those mm. prequels, or other stories in those worlds we love? Get in contact with us at Talk Film with me. office higher or lower it's the game that basically does what it says on the tin where i will say to my guest a film from the opening weekend of revenue it's made from boxofficemojo.com and then list another film and my guest has the guest higher or lower so have i said jamie the incredibles 2 grossed 182 million dollars on its opening weekend holy moly batman superman dawn of justice box office higher or lower lower you are correct 166 million dollars which is still a truckload of money that's a truckload of money for that film yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to keep it a bit more shorter and concise this time we're going to sw- we're going to switch it up a bit we're going to go instead of doing 10 we're going to do 7 oh, and because uh, you only had time to find 7 no, it's because uh, <laughs> it's because someone tweeted me saying "Love box office higher or lower." Goes on a bit too long though. Uh, <laughs> that's it. We're taking feedback from the fans. I exactly. Like there we go. Okay. Cool. So let's start. Iron Man Two on its opening weekend grossed 128 million dollars. Oh. I want to know it the remake in 2017. Did it go higher or lower? Lower. You are correct. Yes. 123 million dollars in its opening box office weekend. So. 123 million. I want to go to Skyscraper, the new film with The Rock. Oh, I think lower. Yes, 24 million. Oh, is that all? Yeah, that's it. Oh, an effect of Dwayne Johnson not having a massive impact there. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's a blip. I think it's. I think you know, it's he's, one that might make more over over length of time. Exactly. Like so from one diehard ripoff to another diehard ripoff of its own franchise, a good day to die hard. Did that gross higher or lower than Skyscraper? Higher, no, it just oh. lost out by a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so from one action epic to another, taken two, higher oh, or lower? Higher, yes, 49 million dollars. Oh, lower than I thought, though. Yeah, well, let's go, let's keep it family friendly then. Let's go for a fifth one, Wreck It Ralph. <sighs> I did like it, I didn't watch it on opening weekend. Would you go see that on opening weekend? Probably not. I'm gonna say lower. Only just uh, $300 million. $300,000. Okay, so from Wreck-It Ralph to Spider-Man 3. I'm going to say lower because I don't like it. It grossed a lot more. $151 million. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) (laughs) And let's let's finish it off for seven then. Uh, Fast and Furious 7 called... 
Furious 7, <laughs> did it uh, gross higher or lower than Spider-Man 3? Oh, I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious films. I feel there's too many now to catch up on. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, it's not like an overarching narrative. It's not like, a, oh, you know what, they're too complex. They're too complex. They're, they're too... I think there's a lot of driving, a lot of fastness in it. I just don't think I can handle Basically, it. Basically, <laughs> they steal some shit and drink Coronas at the end and Vin Diesel keeps calling people family. Although, it looks like the Fast and Furious franchise is going to be pulled apart because of his feud with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, really? Because they're oh. going to do spin-off films and basically the cast from Fast Films are slowly one by one joining this spin-off film. Oh, right. And they've just cast Idris Elba as the bad guy. Really? Yeah, it's really fucking good. Oh, anyway, sorry. Uh, I'm going to say lower. You are correct. $147 million. Nice. They only get one wrong there. You only got one wrong, so six out of seven. So to, to round off, I'm going to I'm gonna list out three films and you've got to tell me which one grossed the most out of these three films. Okay, okay so... Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Sorry, the Kings of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, I think that'd be high. Transformers, Age of Extinction. Or Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, you are horrible. Uh, Let's see. Crystal Skull, a lot of people would be looking forward to that because it's the fourth one from three, three very good films. Transformers, obviously, yeah. Classic. But then Harry Potter. There's a lot of Harry Potter nuts out there. Yeah. I'm going to go for Harry Potter. I'm sorry, sir. You're incorrect. Ah, Indiana no. Jones and it the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull grossed $100 million on its opening box office weekend. Well, that makes me happy that that's the right answer. But sad, sad. that is that film that, that grossed more money. But yeah. then again, to be fair, Age of Extinction is not particularly good. No. Um, so there you have it. Box office higher or lower. Jamie, you were six out of seven and you didn't guess the bonus. For the streaming gem this week, we've got a hot young new journalist bringing in a review on this of Like Father. So Adam Flint, up and coming guy, <laughs> take it away, Adam. Netflix original Like Father is the one of their latest releases that has been available since August 3rd. It's available on UK and international Netflix accounts. It stars Christian Bell. It's been directed by Lauren Miller Rogan, who is married to Zeph Rogan. She actually wrote, she done the screenplay, she also produced this film. Actually, pretty much done everything from A to Z to get this film over the line. And in terms of casting star power, it's got Christian Bell, it's got Kelsey Grammer, Zeph Rogan actually does make a, a brief appearance in this film. The concept is is quite simple. It's a formula that we've seen many a times before. Basically, someone's left at the altar and they're going on their honeymoon with someone they didn't expect. Essentially, the concept is that Rachel, the main character in this, uh, she's a workaholic. She focuses her entire life on her job and her husband-to-be decided that that was enough. I'm not going to do this. And instead of having that conversation way before a wedding, decides to leave her at the altar on her wedding day. Now, guess what? She has guests that she didn't expect to turn up one of them being her father, played by Kelsey Grammer. They're actually estranged, have not spoken to each other for 25 years, and upon a night of drinking and reconciliation, they decide that they're going to take a, a well, a well-deserved break, and they're going to take the honeymoon trip together. This is basically an advertisement for cruises across the Caribbean. Um, I suppose it's kind of nice. Cruises need bit of better PR at the moment if you think about the only time they've actually been in films is stuff like Speed 2, Poseidon, Titanic. So you know this is nothing goes wrong with a boat. It's just a nice trip they go on. The food's great and all that sort of stuff. Kind of feels like it's actually been paid for by some form of Caribbean cruise company. Anyway that aside this is follows the tropes of a typical sort of uh, 
I don't want to say a coming of age. It's a reconciliation between a dysfunctional family sort of comedy slash drama. There's some funny bits in this. Seth Rogen's character, uh, he pops in as basically a divorcee who is uh, on the cruise on his own. And uh, there's no love story here or anything like that. It's very much a charming story between Kelsey Grammer and Christian Bell about how they reconcile their differences and realise they're not that far apart like father like daughter you can see where it's going here it's very predictable it follows the similar tropes of these sort of films there's some quite funny bits in this and um, but i'm obviously not the demographic that this film was made for or the sort of person that would actually really enjoy this film in terms of scores it's ranging around the 40s to 50s i would probably go a little bit lower than that i'd personally say it's more like two out of five for me and um, it's quite popular at the moment i think given that it's it's the latest release on netflix and they're putting some marketing behind this uh lauren mill and rogan is actually a great director i think she's got a real future in the game and i can't wait to see what she moves on to next but this is definitely not something i'm going to be shouting to all my friends oh you must watch this this is really good um but it's good to see kelsey grammar you know flexing those movie chops a little bit more because we don't really get to see him in front of the big screen anymore albeit the netflix screen um yeah there's not really much more i can say it's not really aimed at me but it's okay um i think if you enjoy those sorts of films uh and so that is kind of easygoing uh very run-of-the-mill very safe films then you know you might get something out of this but i think a lot of people are gonna what get 10 minutes into this and go oh it's one of those sort of films and bypass it so Eat this as a warning. It's two out of five. It's got a nice big dance number and song at the end because you know what? It always ends with a song, these sort of films. And that's pretty much all the praise I can really give it. Two out of five, like father. I tell you what, that kid's going somewhere. There you have it, two out of five. Anyway... I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to this podcast. I've been Adam Flint. You can get in contact with us at TalkFilmy to me. I'd like to thank my guy, Jamie. How can people find you? On Twitter at, at Mr. Hannon in Space. Hannon in Space. Next week, we're going to be talking about The Meg. It's about a big shark. We're going to a nice press screening of that. Thank you very much for Sony for inviting us to that. We're really going to enjoy it, hopefully. And also, we're going to be doing a streaming jam, box office higher or lower, and there'll be loads of other stuff to boot as well. Till next time, stay filming. Yeah. Down in the basement, we'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.